Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sports Legends of the Carolinas. I'm your host, Scott Fowler, sports columnist for the Charlotte Observer. And in this podcast, I seek out some of my favorite sports legends and interview subjects from the Carolinas over the past three decades and ask them to tell me stories from their time on and off the field as they rose to iconic status. Loaded up and I said, Mom, I'm going, I'm going to Ole Miss for two days. And, and she hugged me, packed up that car and drove out the driveway. And she stood in that driveway all the way down the road. I couldn't even see her anymore. But I knew then that uh, I was on a journey. For this episode of Sports Legends of the Carolinas, I'm thrilled to have tied in Wesley Walls. There are only five members of the Carolina Panthers Hall of Honor. Wesley is one of them. He is also a member of the College Football Hall of Fame. It just happened so fast, Scott. It was like I was on a jet airplane flying somewhere. I don't know where the heck I'm going. Wesley's a longtime Charlotte resident, a grandfather, and one of the best storytellers I've ever interviewed. Walls was a star for the Panthers from 1996 to 2002, making five Pro Bowls in a seven-year span. In our conversation, he told me all sorts of stories, including how Archie Manning tried to flip him from his college commitment to Alabama and his stint at the Elvis Presley Daycare in Tupelo, Mississippi. And if you like a good Southern drawl, you're going to love listening to Wesley Walls. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you're listening, and to consider a digital subscription to the Charlotte Observer to continue supporting content like this. Wesley Walls, next on Sports Legends of the Carolinas. Wesley, welcome to the show. Thank you, Scott, for having me. Uh, uh, 1994 is when you started. It just makes me feel a little older. I started <laughs> in 96 here, and and still live here. What a what a great uh, career you've had, and it's an honor to be with you today. Oh well, thanks for having a, uh, having us. I know this is going to be a lot of fun, and uh, let's start with this. Uh, since we both we overlapped in the '90s, and I remember you told me once that of all the Panther teams you were on, that the '96 team was the one you remembered, I think, the most fondly. Why is that? Yeah, it's just uh, uh, kind of a hodgepodge of free agents, older free agents. I mean, started really with Sam Mills in, in 95. I had a chance to play with him in New Orleans in 94. And um, and then they signed Sam Mills in 96. Coach, Coach Capers went after Eric Davis, Kevin Green, Oh gosh, I'm gonna drop drop some names. Wesley Walls. I mean, it was just a 
a good group of guys who had a lot of experience. I was 30 years old. I was mm-hmm. in my uh, eighth year in the league, and, um, uh, and Eric was older. Uh, of course, Kevin Green was really uh, an older player too, and we just came together. We were, we were sort of rode the coattails of our defense. They were really good, and we had a young quarterback in Kerry Collins and a young offensive line, a good running back, uh, Andrew – is it Johnson? Anthony Johnson. Uh, yeah, Anthony Johnson yeah. and Michael Bates and, was and Michael uh, Bates. Uh, also. I think that team signed four free, four high profile free agents. Yourself was one, and all four made the Pro Bowl that year, yeah. which is nuts. Yeah, that was yeah. going over to Hawaii after that season. I mean, we had as many players as uh, the Super Bowl champs. I can't even remember who won. Green Bay, I guess, <laughs> won it that yeah. year. And uh, but it was a great team, and we were really close. Uh, and you're right. It was the most favorite Panther team I ever played on. And I really, even throughout my, my career with the great San Francisco 49er teams, it was my favorite team here in 96 Carolina Panthers. Really? Even because you did win a Super Bowl ring as a rookie. Yeah. Right? Hey, what a machine this 49er offense is. What a machine this 49er team is. What a year they had. What a way to finish it. That was, uh, you know, I, I was uh, drafted by the 49ers as a, uh, as a project, and uh, basically that's what I was. I came in and played a little bit, caught one or two balls that year, but I was a special teams guy, and we went right to the Super Bowl. It was a 17-2 record uh, and, and beat the Broncos 55-10 down in New Orleans. So that was a, sort of a dream kind of year. You know, one of the things I always uh, hang on too much sometimes, we lost two games at home that year as a 49er. And I I jumped off sides on one of them on the goal line, <laughs> <laughs> and the that was against the Rams. And then the other one we lost at home against Green Bay. So we we really had a chance to be undefeated that season. But uh, we had some great teams out there. But that '96 Panther team, I felt at home uh, when I first signed here and flew in for the press conference. Uh, we drove in and just said, "Wow, this reminds us of Mississippi. It reminds us of home." I think it may have been a Sunday. And no cars on the road. We were it was about eleven o'clock in the morning when we got here. Everybody's at church. Everybody's at church. <laughs> and uh, and I said, you know what? We're going to like it here, Christy. <laughs> um, you you mentioned Kevin Green, uh, the the late Kevin Green, uh, unfortunately passed. And you told me a story. I hope you could tell again here about how after those home games, that '96 team went undefeated at home, nine and zero, including a playoff win. And I believe South End Brewery was kind of the place to be. And you and Kevin Green and I think Rick Flair was involved. But I, I wonder if you could tell the stories of, of sort of what Kevin Green and Rick Flair would sometimes get up to. Yeah, that that was that was great. I don't, I don't even know if you can do it in this day and age. But uh, we, the South End Brewery was owned by uh, some friends of ours, uh, uh, and so they invited all the Panther players. They after the game come by South End Brewery. Well, I think our first game was against the Falcons at home. We won. A lot of guys showed up. Steve Burline, Kevin Green, uh, and Rick Flair would always be there. And and that was about the time uh, that Kevin was doing some. Kevin Green was doing some uh, wrestling, uh, the WWF right, or right. WWE, whatever it was back then. And they would they would kind of kid around and 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 we kept winning though. We won every home game that year. So I'm superstitious, and I know a lot of guys are. Hey, let's go back to South End Brewery after the game, you know. Plus, they gave you free food, and uh, that's going to get Wesley Walls in there for sure, man. <laughs> and then the Kevin and uh, Kevin and Rick, they started kind of playing up their uh, match or whatever, and they would, you know, 
Ric Flair would do his woo and, and Kevin Green's, you're not the best, I am, and all that. And it was just really a, a scene. Uh, and people would come and watch it. It was, it was fun. I mean, we enjoyed it. We had a lot of fun. And, and, and there were a lot of, not the whole team was there, but a lot of the players would come by there and we'd kind of enjoy the victory. And they would sort of even push each other around, right? Sort of make a pretend wrestling deal. Absolutely. That's a good memory when I told it that they would, uh, they would fall around on the tables, knock some over, spill <laughs> something, you know, and it was, it, we knew it was fake, but if somebody just sitting there watching, uh, you know, just having dinner, and next thing you know, somebody comes slamming into your table, it looks like a real fight. And those guys are really good at it. <laughs> that was a, 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 that team really caught lightning in a bottle for sure. What do you think happened after that? I mean, you were on, you kept starring for some teams, but those teams never quite got back to the height of that team that made the NFC Championship game. Yeah, losing that game up in Green Bay. You know, I never will forget seeing Kevin Green in the shower after after that game. And we we they they manhandled us. I mean, they ran the ball on us. Dorsey Evans and Brett Favre and the whole group. They really controlled the game. And I, I you know I think we were just a little um, not ready. We just weren't really good enough to get to the Super Bowl that year. And then we had all the intentions of getting better the next year. And Coach Capers too. I think we added some guys. We went after made some trades in the draft. And we just came back the next year and. Uh, you know, I, I can't remember specifically. It just wasn't the same. It was not the same. We lost our mojo at home. We started losing games there, uh, and it kind of snowballed into maybe the our, the older. The, we were older. We were one of the oldest teams in the league. We were one of the brand new brand new teams in the league, and uh, we got old and and uh, just never got back to where we were that '96 season. Yeah, well, it's hard, isn't it? I mean, you won a Super Bowl as a rookie, so you probably thought it was easy. Yeah. <laughs> but that was you never played in another one, right? Never got that back to another fifth, one. How many years was it? Uh, Fifteen seasons. Fifteen seasons. I remember walking off that field and going back home to Ole Miss. I was going to go back and take some classes, and and just feeling like, yeah, this is going to be. I got a good start here, you know. <laughs> I'm going I'm to be on the world champion team, and uh, and we actually had a chance to go win three in a row. The, the 49ers had, had won a Super Bowl uh, in in 1988. Uh, they beat the Bengals on that last touchdown pass with John Taylor from Joe Montana. Then we won in 89. And then in 1990, we were winning the game, uh, running the clock out. Joe Montana had been injured. Steve Young had come in. We, we were ahead by uh, two points. And we fumbled. Roger Craig uh, had a fumble. Um, the Giants uh, got a first down and got in the field goal range, and it was over. And wow. that was sort of the end of the 49er run there until uh, Steve Young in the 94 brought him back. But I've forgotten that. That yeah. was uh, – that was. I'll tell you, not to sidetrack too much, but that's one of the lessons I learned in um, pro football because after that game, um, they dismantled that team too. I mean, Roger was traded, uh, Tom Rathman, Ronnie Lott, they were all gone to other teams – and you kind of get the, the business side of professional sports. So you had a great run, and they were ready to move to another direction. Hmm. You're, um, and, but I want to get into your, uh, your background because it's so interesting uh, growing up in a small town in Mississippi. Before we do that, though, while we're on the 49ers for a second, you, a lot of people probably don't know that you were instrumental in Joe Montana's comeback. Uh, tell us kind of how that worked out and, and why that happened in the first place. Yeah, that, that really was one of my favorite seasons in all 15, honestly. Um, I was injured. Joe Joe was coming off elbow surgery, so he, he wasn't able to throw for a long time. 
And I got hurt in training camp. And back then, they could put you on injury reserve and bring you back throughout throughout the any time throughout the year. So I was practicing, and uh, Coach Seifert came up to me and said, "Look, uh, Joe is about to start throwing, and uh, we're, he wants to work out at Menlo College. It was a little small school down the street by Joe's house, and." I got the feeling that they wanted Joe to work out there because they didn't want Steve to see Joe getting better. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. But honestly, the very first day, I think we, we were running five-yard routes. I mean, it was that uh, uh, early in his rehab of his elbow. And then eventually uh, we were running – I was running receiver routes. I was just – it was it was a dream come true. I get to work out with Joe Montana and catch the ball because that's one thing I didn't do a lot. I mean, I'd only played tight end one year in college. And, and just it was part of my process of becoming better. And then we started practicing. Uh, I started practicing. We started coming back to the facility and, and practicing. And, and Joe, was, Joe was 100% by the end of the year. And we got to travel with the team. And I, I can remember on Saturdays uh, the team would have their morning practice and Joe and I would stay out and the whole coaching staff would watch Joe, Joe throw and, and watch me run routes. They didn't really care about me, but it really uh, – it really helped me grow as a player to, to be able to be around a guy like Joe Montana, greatness. I mean, Joe Montana was his best when it counted the most. Mm-hmm. And toward the end of the year there, the, the great story was we were going into the playoffs and they were going to let Joe play the last game. And uh, and and I didn't get activated, but I, 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 they let Joe play. And it was a bunch of running plays. And Joe started calling his own plays toward the end and went down and scored and the whole stadium went crazy. Oh. And that kind of was the friction that started between Joe and Steve there. That was uh, what year? Like I, early 90s? Yeah, I think that's going to be yeah. 91 or 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, maybe 92. Crazy that you were yeah you were there at the same time as two Hall of Fame quarterbacks on one team. Yeah, I tell, I tell, I tell people, Scott, all the time, I got to play with Joe Montana, Steve Young, Kerry Collins, Steve Berline, Brett Favre, Jim Everett. These are really good quarterbacks. I should have better numbers. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's my well, fault. <laughs> Who who was better than uh, in their bet at, in their prime, uh, Young or Montana? Do you think? Well, like I said, when it counted the most, Joe Joe was his best. Uh, I mean, if I had to go into a Super Bowl, and I've no offense to anybody in the league, I mean uh, that I play with, but if I had one game to play in the Super Bowl, I'm I'm, I'm calling on Joe Montana. And uh, but Steve, what an athlete! I mean, Steve Bur- Steve Young. Steve Burline's most accurate thrower I ever played with in my career. Really, I mean, yeah. He just he hits you an eight and five, and you know it just was so easy uh, when when Steve was back there and he was so prepared. Steve Young, that guy could do anything. He could run. Uh, we used to have off season basketball. I can't even believe they let us play that. And nowadays, there's no way that we play other NFL teams or. That's crazy to and, think of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jerry Rice would play. Joe, oh Steve Young, we're running around dunking, you know, and. <laughs> Some people used to say, "Hey, you should have played basketball West instead of football." But uh-huh. we, uh, but Steve Young, man, what an athlete! I mean, he could he could play basketball and do anything. One of the fastest guys on the team. So those two you get to watch those guys compete. Uh, there's a good story about Steve Young. Harris Barton um, and Steve Young were roommates, and Harris invited us over. Is in Palo Alto, and Harris had he had a, somebody that could cook some Southern food. Harris grew up in Atlanta. They'd have like some fried chicken and pork chops and turnip greens and things like that. So we invited my wife, me and Christy, over one Wednesday night or whatnot. And Steve Young was his roommate. We had dinner there. And then Harris took me back into his – his house was very small. But he took me back into his room um, where Steve Young's room was. And he says, look here, Steve – and there were a pile of game checks sitting on top of Steve Young's dresser. 
Really? He said, he's not going to cash him. And I said, why not? He says, he's not going to cash him until he's playing. And I'm wow. like, geez, man, that, you know, uh, that guy's got a little stronger commitment than I do. <laughs> I was running to the bank. <laughs> Harris Barton, I remember him finally. UNC guy like myself went to Chapel Hill, and he was a big part of those 49ers teams uh, as well. He had such a fun locker room out there just playing jokes on people, and and, and they would really pick on me because, I mean, I came in, I dropped a ball one time, and I, I came in, and the old tight end had retired before the year I got there. They had a jersey set up in here. John Franks had a jersey, had a half-eaten bowl of soup in there, too. And then when, and I kind of like, oh, this is funny. And then we go to our team meeting, and there he is on the front, front row. And I'm like, jeez, they're cutting me. You know, they're, signing, they're signing John Franks. And then uh, Coach Seaford, he was in on it, too. He says, okay. Uh, I want everybody. We got one of our old players here. Welcome back to. He's just joining us today for a visit. John Franks and everybody said hey to him. He says, "Now Wesley, you can relax." Secret. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back right after this. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back. Uh, well, let's go back to Mississippi, Wesley. And uh, you, you had a unique upbringing. So just start me off with where you grew up and, and how you grew up. Yeah, we, we grew up uh, in a little town called Pontotoc, Pontotoc, Mississippi. It's a little bit outside of Tupelo, which is a big city. And it's really only about 30 miles from Ole Miss. But my mom and dad are working, working folks. I mean, they each one of them worked in their job, same job, for over 50 years before they retired. And so I, I saw what hard work and family was about and uh, went to work every day, just set a great example for me. And and throughout my, you know, being growing up as a young kid, my dad coached a little bit in Little League Baseball when I was seven, eight, or nine. And um, and I can remember a story. We were moving, we were in Tupelo, we were moving back to Pontotoc, and and while we were in Tupelo there, uh, I tried to play in the Tupelo Baseball League, the Little League Baseball League. And it's a draft, and they're supposed to call you. And my mom was working. She came home one day, and she was reading the paper where I think it was George Watson Sporting Goods, our team. I, uh, 
And she said, they, have they called? And then Henning called even to tell me that I was on the team. So she, we just showed up. We just showed up at the baseball game, and she went over to the coach and kind of gave him a hard time saying, how come you hadn't called my son? He went out to his trunk of his car and got a, a, a uniform for me. And they had a rule. They had a rule uh, that uh, everybody had to play in the game. Uh-huh. So here it was about six inning, and they had to put me in to bat. And the first pitch, I bounced it over the uh, center field fence for a double. <laughs> and I got a call every week that, that from then on for about, I'm going to bring you to practice. He's going to be on the team and everything. So that, that was kind of the first thing of organized sports. And, mm. and my mom was such – she she really – she I mean, really had a tragic upbringing, her, mm. her childhood. She, she lost uh, – throughout her life, she lost both her parents to uh, – uh, being shot and killed. Oh my gosh! And um, and so it was tough. So she put all her energy into me and my sister. And and then when we moved to Pontotoc, they had something called a pump passing kick. I don't even know if they have it anymore. Pump passing kick. I did that as a kid. Yeah, <laughs> not as well as you, I'm sure. Yeah. I don't know, but she took me. Uh, she took me up there, and I, I, you know, I, I knew a little bit about kicking, not much, but I could throw a football, and 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 I, I won the pump passing kick. Uh, and, and, you know, I started thinking, man, I ought to play football. So seventh grade, that was the first organized football they ever played. And I, I remember the coach saying, uh, who wants to play quarterback? And I was a Roger Stahlback, um, Archie Manning fan. And I said, I do. So <laughs> I started there uh, playing football, organized football in the seventh grade. And, and uh, my coach came to me in the eighth grade, uh, uh, the high school football coach, Phil Flynn, came to me and he said, Wesley, uh, you know, you should stay back in the eighth grade. We got a pretty senior football team, a senior quarterback. He's going to graduate. You stay back in the eighth grade. When you come into the ninth, you'll have an opportunity to maybe start all four years. It'd be good for your career. And I convinced my parents that as well. And actually, Scott, it really helped me academically too because I was a good student. So I had to take two eighth grade classes over, which is fine. Then I could take two ninth grade classes. And it kind of made the – the class is a little easier throughout the net. I mean, I've got two classes ahead. So I did it. And when I turned 15, I was 5'9", 155 pounds. And I was uh, that was in March of my ninth grade year. Um, I went out spring practice, and those guys almost drowned me by initiation in a, <laughs> in a two-inch mud hole. Uh, it was about that deep, and yeah. I almost drowned. I mean, uh, I remember the Robinson twins. If you're out there, I'm still after you. And, uh <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it was something. So I come back in and start that fall. And the very first game, we're playing our playing our biggest rival, Pontotoc High School. And Wait, what was South your Pontotoc, high school? South Pontotoc. We had oh. a North Pontotoc, South Pontotoc. I would not have thought it was big enough to have two Pontotoc. It's high probably eighteen thousand people in okay. the county, right. and we've got three high schools. Never wow. made any sense. Never made any sense. But Pontotoc was a big city school, the big rival there in a bigger division, and we had a team to beat them. And we were on the one yard line, uh, first down, and we. Getting beat uh, fourteen to ten, and I threw an interception, and the guy ran it back for a hundred yard. I think he called it an end zone. I think it was a bad call. They should have called it back. But anyway, <laughs> they beat us, and um, and it was probably the most devastating to my point. And I wanted to quit. And I had my uncle came in the locker room after that, and I was I wouldn't leave. I just said I'm quitting. And uh, and I remember him saying to Uncle Pete Reader, he came up to me, he says, "You're not a quitter. You got a lot of football left ahead of you." So. He was right. He mm-hmm. was right. And uh, I ended up my junior year, my coach left. So we were so good that year, my ninth grade year, 
that my coach, he left to a bigger school, and we had a new offense where I became a running quarterback. And you've watched me in the NFL – and think of me as a running quarterback. Oh, yeah, that, that, that probably didn't work out that well. Yeah, didn't, didn't work out that well. I was going nowhere. But I, at five nine, one hundred fifty five, when I came back in that ninth grade year, I meant to say I was six one, one ninety. And by the time I was a junior, I was like six three, two ten. And uh, my dad and mom set me down uh, around my junior football season, sometime in, in October, and said, "Hey, look, we're we're separating." We're, we're going to get a divorce. We're going to separate first. And my dad said, I'm moving up to the city in Pontotoc. And um, he said, you can move with me and play at Pontotoc if that's something you want to do. He said, oh, we can move to Tupelo. We can move anywhere, to, and, and you can come play because, you know, we're going to be divorced. And uh, you know, the shock of the divorce, I hate to say it, probably didn't surprise me, but um, just the actual – him moving out and moving up there, I, I knew it was real. So we moved. I moved in with him up at Pontotoc. I decided I had some friends up there. I'm still close with those guys right now. They're uh, Tracy Davis, David Ferguson, Jamie Mitchell, and they were close friends. And so I thought I'm going to go play with these guys. And uh, so I'm, I remember going to South Pontotoc after my last football game and asking for my transcript. And the, pre- the, the, the principal said, you're making the biggest mistake of your life. Uh, you should stay here. You're a basketball player, better basketball player anyway. I said, Mr. Hagan, my mom and dad are separated. I'm moving in with my dad. And uh, I'm going to play football uh, up there. I'm going to play all the sports I can. And he gave my transcript. And I remember driving out of that driveway and then looked in my rearview mirror saying, I can't go. There's no turning back now. And I drove right into Pontotoc High School, gave my transcript. And it was about three weeks later, I came home. My mom's crying. She said, they're suing us. Who is? Uh, the Mississippi High School Athletic Association. South Pontotoc had turned us in um, and uh, my family in and said that we moved for athletic purposes. And basically they tried to – South Pontotoc wanted me never to play sports again. So uh, this was happening around January, uh, just now starting my junior year spring semester. And I came home I – mean, I mean, I was living with my dad – and my mom would come in. My dad worked a night shift, and she would come in in the afternoons and cook dinner before she went down to her house. And she came by. Uh, they went down to, to the Jackson to the, for the meeting with the Mississippi High School Athletic Association. She said they won. She said they won, Wesley, and she just started crying. And I thought my career was over. Man. Um, hmm. And I, she started telling me, she said, look, they're going to let you play uh, your senior year. You can play anything you're seeing here. I was like, wow, well, how, what do you mean we, we, we lost? And she said, well, you can't play any sports your uh, junior year spring. You can't play basketball, baseball. Football was, of course, in the fall. You can't run track. And I, I played all those sports. So, you know, nothing you can do about it. Uh, uh, I got in the weight room. I mean, I was 6'3", 210 pounds, and by that Fall, by that fall in August, I was almost six. I was six four, two hundred thirty five pounds. I never lifted weights in my life. Wow, jeez! <laughs> and I, and I moved there, Scott, to play quarterback, and went through spring practice. I was able to practice spring practice, and we came back in the fall. And Coach Morton, Tommy Morton, who's was like a father figure to me. These high school coaches, they mean so much to players. They really do. Yeah, yeah, they change people, man. I mean, they just keep you. Uh, I don't know. I still talk to him today, and and uh, but. He said, Wesley, uh, we're thinking about changing uh, – uh, the good news, bad news. We're thinking about 
changing the offense to cater to your skills. I said, that's great. And he said, he says, I said, what's the bad news? He said, it's going to be the wishbone. You're going to be playing fullback. <laughs> why are you keep getting in these running offenses? <laughs> now you see why I didn't like to run much when I was in the pros. I couldn't stand it. So uh, I said, you know what? I can't, I can't go back to South Pontotoc. Right. And I'd moved there to play quarterback, and here I am at fullback. But we made the most of it. And I actually made all state at fullback. Did you play both ways then? Because you did in, at Ole Miss, obviously. That's what you're famous for, I guess. Yeah, so yeah you I played, did. What you played? Defensive end. D-end. Okay. And so I played defensive end, and 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 really that that was a – I mean, I was so upset. I mean, I was so upset at the old coach by doing that. I mean, I acted like a you know, hind rear end of a donkey. I mean, a butt, a butthole, whatever. <laughs> Edited it out. I was so mad at him and everyone. I just kind of – Said, okay, I'm just going to – they wouldn't play us. They wouldn't play us our senior year. Oh. Hmm. So You're not so, in the same conference, I guess. It would be no. different. We play them every year the first game of the season for, I don't know, 15 oh, years. Yeah. And, and they canceled the game. So, uh, go through that. and uh, But it did create a stir. I mean, it, the paper talked about it. Schools, colleges, they started sending uh, scouts. They started sending uh, coaches over to watch me practice. And um, I got a lot of interest from it. So it was good. We had a good season. We ended up losing in the playoffs. Um, and uh, I knew my career, you know, what, what they did for me at Pontotoc, they took me in as like I'd been there my whole life. Um, some of those guys had to be like, who's this guy? Probably didn't want me on the team. It probably kept them from playing on something or whatnot. But uh, they, they embraced me and treated me like I was family. And I really appreciate that. And to the day, to this day, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I still talk to Coach Morton and those three buddies. I spend more time with them than I do any of my friends, really. Really? They keep yeah. me humble, keep me in line. I'll tell you that for sure. But <laughs> uh, but then, you know, uh, recruiting started. Right. Uh, and and Al- there's some story about Alabama, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. You're yeah. getting there. You're yeah. Right. You're right. The Alabama. Uh, and uh, I took a visit over there. and It was – Great school, and then Ray Perkins just shows up uh, at my high school, and he says that. Uh, and that's the head coach there at the time. He was the head coach. The, for Bear people Bryant. who don't know about uh, between Saban and Bear, there was Ray Perkins yeah. and a few others. Yeah, Mike Shula. Yeah, but anyway, so Ray Perkins actually shows up at your high school, and we're talking about nineteen. Where, where, where are we here? Nineteen eighty-four. It could have been January of eighty-five. Okay, um, I, that's when I graduated in eighty-five. So. I, you know, I look back and, and, and they say, Coach Perkins is here to see you. And usually, you know, unannounced. And he comes over and he says, uh, Coach Donahue said he saw you play quarterback in the spring last year in spring practice. And um, I'd like to see you throw. Now, Coach Perkins, he's passed away now. Got a beautiful, great man. Uh, so he can't defend himself here. But uh, I, he, he still denies that that happened. But uh, whatever, however the circumstance was, he ended up in the stands, and I'm on the field throwing passes to some of my receivers. <laughs> and he comes down to me, and he's asked me how much I weighed. It was just, it was, I said, I'm about 230. He says, well, don't gain another pound and commit today, and I'll let you play quarterback at the University of Alabama. Hmm. So I committed. Right then? Right on the spot. Okay. I said, I'm coming. And that's what I wanted to do. I mean, I moved to Pontotoc to play quarterback, and yeah. and now I'm getting a chance to play in Alabama. And he said, um, he said, do you have any other visits? I said, yeah, I've got Ole Miss uh, this weekend. And he says, cancel that visit. I don't want you to take that visit. 
So I went home. Um, I'm still living with my dad. Um, and I called over to Coach Robert Youngblood at Ole Miss and said, I'm, I can't come this weekend. I just want to let you know I appreciate all. He went to every basketball game. I was playing basketball and stuff then, too. And um, I said, I'm gonna, I need to cancel my visit. Coach Parkinson wants me to cancel. And I really appreciate all you, the recruiting. And, and you, Miss Judy, his, his wife, just my mom loved him. And uh, my mom came by that night again to cook dinner, and I told her I'd committed to Alabama. And she seemed okay. But my Uncle Pete calls later that night. He said, I just talked to your mom. She can't stop crying. Hmm. And you committed to Alabama. And I'm like, jeez. You know, I said, I didn't know she didn't seem that upset. And he says, well, let's just think about it. So went to sleep, woke up next morning. I had a little job at, at a clothing store in town. It was as part of school credit. And I get a call at that place, and it was uh, the lady working there uh, said, Wesley, Archie Manning is on the phone for you. Really? So I think it's one of my buddies, right, Jamie or Tracy or David. And uh, and I, when I pick up the phone, I hear his voice say, hey, Wesley, this is Archie Manning. And I was like, this is really Archie Manning. And he said, I heard you committed to Alabama. Congratulations. What a great program, great history, tradition. He, man, we had a lot of battles and wars with those guys. He says, um, and they're going to let you play quarterback. And I said, yes, sir. And I said, that's kind of why I moved to Pontotoc, and, and I, was, I just want the chance. He said, well, Wesley, you know, sometimes they'll recruit you and say they're going to let you play a position, but they really have no intention of ever letting you play. And I said, yes, sir, I, but they're going to give me a chance. He said, I respect that. He said, I want you to think about a couple things, though, Wesley. He said, when you get finished playing in Alabama, are you going to stay in Alabama or are you going to move back to Mississippi? And I said, well, I'm going I'm to probably move back home to Mississippi. He said, well, listen to what you just said. You're calling Mississippi your home. And maybe you ought to take that visit to Ole Miss this weekend. I said, you know what, Mr. Manning? Yes, sir, I will. <laughs> <laughs> and I called Ray Perkins. Archie Manning with a, with a fourth quarter comeback there. All right. <laughs> and I lo- I'm telling you this day, Archie. Archie tells a little difference. He says, he told me, ain't no way you – I watched you play quarterback. There's no way you can play quarterback in Alabama. <laughs> he was right. He was right. Even whatever was said. Uh, so I called Coach Perkins and said, Coach, I just want you to know I am going to take my visit this weekend. I gave him a word to them, and uh, and I'm going to keep it. He says, don't you do it. They're going on probation. They're going to try to pay you a lot of money and surround you by a bunch of pretty girls and change your mind. <laughs> and I was like, dang. Super <laughs> sounding good, yeah. <laughs> but I said, don't you worry, Coach. I will not change my mind. I go over there, long story short, I come back Sunday night, and I had to call Coach Perkins, and I said, Coach, you were right. I shouldn't have gone. I'm, but I got to tell you, I'm glad I did because this is where I need to play. This is where I grew up wanting to play my whole life. I really appreciate the opportunity to play quarterback when I'm going to Ole Miss. And I've I, and I moved that summer school over there and uh, started working out with the team. And, and I w- did not want to get red-shirted, and immediately they put me right at defensive end. Really? That's yeah. It. So that was my spot. Hmm. That was my spot. And, uh, and I can remember my freshman year, I, I played. I played in every game. And, and I really didn't know if I was any good or not. And I, I really, my mom really didn't want me to go to summer school. She didn't want me to leave. Um, she wanted me to stay at the home at house as long as I could, right? And uh, but I, I was committed. I was focused on it. So I remember packing up my bags to go to. Uh, I'd been to summer school. I came home. We had the Mississippi High School All Star Game, and there's a story I'm gonna tell you about that later. And um, loaded up, and I said, "Mom, I'm going. I'm going to Ole Miss for two days." And and. Uh, and she hugged me, packed up that car, and drove out the driveway. 
And she stood in that driveway all the way down the road. I couldn't even see her anymore. But I knew then that uh, I was on a journey, a journey that my mom, my mom was a good athlete, and uh, she had given up her dreams for me, basically. And I knew then that lady gave up her life so I could have be able to chase my dream. And uh, and so I got there. I was I was focused. I was focused, and I was going to play. And I remember uh, we played one of the first times that I felt like uh, that my parents really acknowledged to me that man, you're you're good. You 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 got a, a chance. Is we were playing Arkansas, and I was sort of a third down specialist and put me in on blitzes and stuff. And they were running a wishbone, and I just I I had a bunch of tackles that game, and I think we we lost. But after the game, I remember my dad coming up to me. He had tears in his eyes. He said, "Man, you're good." Yeah. You're really good. Yeah. And uh so and your I, parents' names I know them, but go ahead and mention them here. Sure. Oh Charlie. Charlie Walls is still alive at Pont- down in Pontotoc, Algoma, really. And my mom, Betty Walls, uh she passed in November twenty nineteen. And um uh, but uh And this at this point you were not when did you start playing tight end at Ole Miss? Well that's uh Coach Perkins, back to Coach Perkins. He was right. Hmm. We went on probation. <laughs> <laughs> he said we were going to go on probation, and we did. And that was after our junior year. And we were ranked pre- preseason number nine. I was preseason all SEC and defensive end and all this. And we we had some we – lo- we get uh, on the Thursday or the week before the first game against Memphis State, that back then it's Memphis now, they announced that we're going on probation. And we got beat. And we were – Supposed to be a really good team. Ended up going three and eight. Uh, fired all the coaches except the head coach. They had to get new coordinators. And we start spring practice, and I've been with a new defensive coordinator, and I'm trying to learn that system. Um, and then the new offensive coordinator named Red Parker comes over to me. I'm throwing the ball with the quarterback, John Darnell, and our roommates. And I was just throwing. I always like to throw with the quarterbacks. I still think I'm kind of a quarterback. And he comes over. Red Parker comes over. He says, "Wesley, have you have you ever played tight end? Did you play tight end in high school or anything?" I said, "No, sir." I said, "I did play tight end one time in the Mississippi High School All Star game. Uh, the tight end got hurt and asked oh. me to play tight end." He said, "How'd you do?" I said, "Well, John, John was a quarterback. John, how how'd we do there, man?" He says. And John had a real deep voice. He says, well, man, you caught seven for 97 and a touchdown. <laughs> and and uh, Coach Parker goes, uh, man, give me two weeks, Wesley, and I can put you in the NFL at tight end. Huh. I said, Coach, man, I, I'm going in my senior – it's my junior spring practice. I'm going in my senior year. I, I don't know if I can change positions going in my senior year. He says, trust me, just give me two weeks. Two weeks in spring practice – it was a natural. I mean, I, I mean, he was throwing the ball to me, the quarterback, where Mark Young and John were. And I'm like, I think I can do this, Coach. And so Coach Brewer came to me and says, the defense wants you to play defense too. Can you play defense? Can you do both of them? And then, of course, I said, yeah, I can do it. And Art Kaufman was my defensive end line coach or my defensive coach. And thank you, Art, wherever you are. He ended up recruiting my son when he went to North Carolina. It's really? a, small, a small world. But – he would stay late. I would stay late. I'd watch defensive film with him. I'd practice it tight end because I hadn't played it enough. I, I was comfortable. That that two a days was tough um, uh, because I, I we had I had like three a days. We had split practices in the morning. I'd split one on offense, one on defense in the afternoon. I'd go back on offense. 
long story short, the first game against Memphis, uh, we played them down in Jackson, beat them that year. But uh, I played, I started both sides. And that uh, I couldn't do it. I came in at halftime, I had to get an IV. So the next games, we started more and more playing more offense and coming in on third down as a specialist uh, as a, uh, on defense. And so I finished that year with a few sacks. We had a couple big wins and uh, uh, had a lot of catches and made first team AP All-American at tight end. Oh, wow. Uh, That's crazy. It just happened so fast, Scott. It was uh, I, it was like a, a – I don't know. A, 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 I was on a jet airplane flying somewhere. I don't know where the heck I'm going, but it was it was happening so fast. AP All-American, I go down to the uh, blue-gray game because I got selected all these – these bowl games and we weren't in a bowl that year. We, we, so I was, um, had a great week of practice down there, uh, and catch a pass first pass of the game and guy hits me late and dislocates my shoulder. So I had surgery, go to the combine. I couldn't, I couldn't, I could run. I ran a 40 is one of the fastest tight end times. And I'm going to tell you what it is. I can't remember. <laughs> That's when you get that selective memory loss. One of the fastest. All right. Yeah, good. <laughs> and, uh, and get drafted by the 49ers in the second round. So it, and this all happened literally from that move in that spring to the next spring, one year. I'm on the San Francisco 49 football team. So. Isn't that funny? Yeah. The way life will twist and turn. Thanks so much for listening to Sports Legends of the Carolinas. You've just heard the first half of our conversation, but there's much more to come. And if I have one regret about um, my time with the Panthers, is how it ended. And humility is such a character trait that is not mentioned enough because when you're humble, when life has a way of humbling you, when, when, it, when you, and everybody gets humble. When you get humble, you see things a lot more clear and you appreciate things a lot more than you did before. For that, please purchase a premium subscription to our show exclusively on Apple Podcasts. And for video of these interviews, visit charlotteobserver.com slash sportslegends. I'm Scott Fowler, and this is Sports Legends of the Carolinas. This show is produced by Jeff Siner and Kata Stevens, and the director of audio at McClatchy is Davin Coburn. For lots more content and to continue supporting this kind of work, please visit charlotteobserver.com slash sportslegends and consider a digital subscription. Connect with me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fowler or by email at sfowler at charlotteobserver.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like what you hear, please share with a friend. See you next week.